good to see everyone, and uh, we've got a good-sized crowd this morning. And uh, I appreciate the men whenever different parts of my family are here. You, you allow them to participate. Uh, it's an encouragement to me, and uh, I appreciate Micah uh, doing the songs. And, and I hope you get to y'all you know, met Micah, but I hope you get to meet Drew and Megan, and uh, which they'll be at the house after services. And uh, that's my brother's uh, youngest child. And uh, if you remember last Christmas, <clears throat> Saturday and I took off and we went to a wedding. And so that was his wedding. And uh, so uh, my brother doesn't make much money. And so you can only send him to Mississippi State. So uh, anyway, uh, you can imagine football around the buffet house because uh, everybody's going to different schools and everything, but we have a lot of fun. So anyway, getting to know Drew and, and Megan, and it's a blessing, I think, both uh, Drew and uh, Megan's parents now, they, they attend the same church, and so they have a lot of commonalities there and focus. This morning, take your Bibles and turn back to the Old Testament. We're going to take our lesson this morning, and I've named this lesson, lesson Joshua's success. And how did Joshua become successful? And we're going to explore some of these. I'll admit I have five points I'm going to make. Some of them overlap, but uh, I hope it makes sense to you and uh, you get something out of it. We're going to study the, the first nine verses or at least read those as we go through this. And we're going to talk and we'll read some other verses. So Joshua is, remember Joshua is one of the 12 spies that whenever they come out of Egypt, he's one of the 12 spies, Joshua, Caleb, they come back, 10 spies says, hey, we can't take the land. We, we just can't handle it. And uh, they said, no, we can do it with the Lord's help. And so best I can figure, and, and it would be rightly so, he was probably around 30 years old, 40 years old, whenever that occurred. No, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And so where we pick up in Joshua is going to be, he's, he's somewhere between 70 and 80 years old. So he's 70 and 80 years old, and he's, and, and today's lesson is where we're going to pick up and talk about that. So for everybody that is, I, I don't know if I would want to be chosen to go lead an army, even at my age. And to think about what that's going to take. And best I can tell is it's about six years that it takes for them to take over the promised land. And that's what we're going to discuss. So that, that's kind of the background. And so in Joshua 1, starting in verses 1 and 2, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, the servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to the sons of Israel. So I, I named my first point here, don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the past. So God puts it very bluntly. And, and this is, you know, sometimes in the world today we kind of look at at how transitions occur. They sometimes occur very abruptly. 
Now, this is one of those transitions that are occurring, occurring abruptly. Remember, Moses doesn't get to go in the land of Canaan because of, of one of his sins. There was a consequence to his sin. Now, we know in, in later that, you know, that Moses is going to be in heaven. But Moses doesn't get to do that. Well, Joshua has been there with Moses all this time. Could you imagine all the excuses that Joshua would come up with? Well, if you hadn't just taken Moses out, you could have let him go and finish this job. I'm 70 to 80 years old. Now, he was, he was of strength. We read of that. How can I lead this vast group of people? Can you think of all the excuses he could come up with? But God says, Moses is gone, it's yours. It's your responsibility. And that happens to us. It happens to us in the church. People pass on. We've got to pick up the banner. One of these days, I'm going to pass on. I'm not going to be able to do it. Somebody's got to pick that up. they got to pick up the Lord's work. Joshua didn't do that. He, he didn't make excuses. He said, no, I'm here. That's what God told me to do. Moses is gone. Let's go. You don't hear any murmuring. You don't hear any anything. So, so Joshua's success, he understands his role. And that's my second point, is Joshua understands his role, and he goes. He takes action. So verses 3 through 5, is, is basically God telling Joshua what he's supposed to do. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness of, and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. God has now told him, he said, you're in charge. Here's what you got to go do. Now, remember the story of Jericho. Now think about whenever you hear this. If this would have been clay, I would have said, whoa, 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 Lord. We got to see besiege this city. I, I got to go engineer some tools. I got to be able to climb up on this wall. I got to be able to do this. That's my answer. That's not Joshua's answer. Joshua's answer can be found in, in Joshua, verse, the first chapter, verse 11. And as, after God gives him the instruction, he says, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourself. For within three days you are to cross the Jordan to go into possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess it. It's time to go. Three days. Go prepare. We're heading in. We're going to do it. So Moses, so think about that. Think about a leader that all of a sudden 
Now is responsible, and I always estimate that the children of Israel about this time is about 2 million people. And he says, he says to the elders and the officials, go out, tell your people, we're leaving in three days, get ready. We're going. Now remember, he's got to cross a river. Now the river's not the Alcohol River. I'll, I'll admit that. But you got two million people that's got to cross. You got provisions. You got tents. You got all these things that's got to go. Best I can tell, he doesn't have all those answers. Now, which we know God's letting him cross the river on dry land. It's the same time he, he did a miracle and spread the water. But the point is, he understood his role and he was ready to go. He didn't question where he was doing and what he was doing. <clears throat> the next verse that we're given is verse 6. Be strong, be courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Move with boldness is my third point and historical purpose. And the reason I say that, notice whenever God gives him the instruction, he says, be strong and be courageous. This is what I told your fathers I was going to give them. Now remember, Abraham, 500 years prior to this, was given the promise that he was going to, that his inheritance was the land of Canaan. We read that in Genesis, the uh, 12th chapter. 500 years. And now, you know, as Abraham is this great figure, God has taken Joshua and says, you're responsible for taking care of this for me. I told your forefathers that I'm going to give it to you. He understood the purpose. He understood <coughs> he was part of history. He understood he was part of God's plan. I believe that. And that's what God is telling him here. And so as we look at this, are we part of God's plan? Do we have historical purpose? And I think we've, we've talked about that. You know, what amazes me right now in our society in some of the things that, that I hear and the directions that we're taking, that we're so bold that in the last 50 years we're smarter than every generation that we're smarter than every generation. I'm talking about society. I'm not talking about people here. But in the last 50 years, we're changing the family structure. We're changing uh, male and female purposes. Just think about all the things that we're changing. And it's not just in our country. It's, it's really our country in Europe. And I think South America a little bit. But the point is, Joshua... Uh, understands where he fits in history. He understands what his role is. Do we understand our role in history? Our role in history is not to make America great. Our, our role in history is, is serving God. And so are we like Joshua? Um, so the next point or the next verse I want to read, verse 7. Only be strong, be very courageous, be careful 
to do according to all the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. We've got to understand so that we can implement God's plan. Notice, you can't have success in God's plan if you don't know which way to turn. So do you think God has put us out here? Do you think God put Joshua there to go out and just leave him at his own vices? He was a man like the rest of us. He said, go implement. Don't turn to the right or left. And if you won't turn to the right or left, you will be successful. Now we're going to see that, that he understood this. He understood this unequivocally. Because one of the things in Old Testament history that just amazes me is this next point. I'm not going to read Joshua the fifth chapter, but it's about circumcising the nation of Israel. Now, in chapter two, they cross the River Jordan. Any military that understands anything about military, you put barriers between you and your enemy. The Jordan River would have been a barrier. Joshua takes his army across the river and then he circumcises. It's one of those events that amazes me. Now, you circumcise a grown man, he's incapacitated for days. Do you think Joshua understood who was in charge? I think he did. Because you would not do this and just like we read about Jericho, we don't fly our jet planes around a country seven, six days and on the seventh day we fly them seven times around and then go home. Joshua understood God was in control of this. But notice the sign of the covenant. He wanted to make sure the people was right with God. He got, he got the values. He understood, I need to get the values right for the success to occur. So this is one of those points, if you don't get anything else out of this lesson, this is one of those points you need to get. You want to be successful? Get your values right. Back in 1984, I had the privilege of sitting in an auditorium at Rock Eagle, Georgia. So I do have a history in Georgia. And the guest speaker was Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy was the founder of Chick-fil-A. And I still remember to this day how fast he could do math in his head. I was good at doing math in my head in those days. I can't now. I've used calculators. I can't do any math. But I remember he was calculating faster than I could. But you know what stood out for me as a Christian? He said, we shut my stores down on Sunday because I think my employees should be at church. 
Do you think he had his values right? And ever since that speech, I would go and eat a Chick-fil-A. And that's before it became what it is today. Sandra described it as a greasy spoon. I ate there because I was impressed with that gentleman. And I remember going up and talking to him. Now, I don't agree with all of his, his beliefs and how he implemented the scriptures, but I can tell you he understood he was his mission in life was to serve God. Do we understand that? And did Joshua understand that? If you get it right, so he's going to stop and circumcise these men. That defies all military logic in Clay's mind. The last point I want to make, and we'll spend a little bit more time on this one, know God's standards and meditate and teach constantly. So Joshua 8 and 9, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Basically, it's repeating the same thing. But notice he said in verse 8, the very first part I read, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, as I've gotten older, I understand that more. And as I go through life, I make decisions every day. And my memory's not as good. But worse yet, I get caught up in the world and I forget God's principles. So are, so are we meditating on God's word every day? Now remember, Joshua was there whenever the law was given. Joshua was there with Moses. He was Moses' right-hand man. There are people here that impress me. That they're older, and I see them studying. I hear them study. They ask questions. It's an encouragement. Sandra and I, we was talking about this, and she said, you know, it is encouraging how people here, you just see the zeal. You see they want to learn. That's encouraging. We come here... We don't give all the best answers in Bible class. We, you know, but we're trying to get there. We're meditating on God's Word. We're thinking about it. And we're trying to help each other because we want to get to heaven. And so God tells Joshua, meditate on it day and night. And notice, He didn't say, Dear, just just in the daylight hours, day and night. Whenever we're laying there in bed, are we sitting there thinking about what God's getting? As Mike told us uh, this morning, he, the saying he came up with, God, I don't know where he got it from, but, you know, if we only had the things we thanked God for yesterday. You know, I thought about that. I'd have a lot less material things. I'd have a, a few good things that I really pray for every day. But are we thinking, God? Are we thinking about what he wants us to do? Are we praying that we serve God? 
Are we going to the scriptures to understand what God wants us to do? Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Notice that, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua understood. He was serving the God Almighty and that he was going to be successful. He understood that. Do we understand that we're serving God Almighty? We're going to be successful. Now I'm just going to tell you a story here. And I said I was going to emphasize this this morning in Bible class. But I just gave you, Joshua is a great man. He led, in six years he conquered a land, divided the tribes up, set them up for success. But you know what? Can you imagine how busy he was? Sending reconnaissance teams out. Settling disputes between, you know, this captain and that captain. Looking at the strategic plans. And then we read the story in Joshua, the ninth chapter, about the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were camp, were, were a settlement just close to where the Israelites were. And they come into the Israelites' camp. They act as if they've been traveling for long distances. And let's read what Joshua did. In verse 14, Joshua 9, 14, So the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. Now, I just built Joshua and his successes. But notice, it talks about his failures too. He didn't ask for the counsel of God. So he just violated what God just told him. Now every one of us probably could look at Joshua if we could get a viewpoint. Now remember, we, don't, we have very little. But just think about all the things Joshua's doing. He's supposed to be leading these people. He's supposed to be conquering the land of Canaan. He's got to be reading the law and keeping up with it. And we notice here he doesn't ask the counsel of God. He says, I got this. This is going to have lasting effects. But notice, so, so in verse 15, Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them and let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. And it came about in the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were neighbors and that they were living within their land. So the last two verses just said Joshua messed up. But you know what? <clears throat> Joshua didn't quit then. God forgave Joshua and moved on on this case best I can tell. Because Joshua lives to be a ripe old man. In the 24th uh, chapter, he's 110 years old, whenever he dies. Joshua's still a good man, but good men fall. But successful good men persevere over their 
mistakes. Now this has everlasting mistakes for the children of Israel because this is a people that's left there that we're going to read about later on in the prophets that is going to cause them to stumble. And there's a few other places. But the whole point is, is it didn't stop Joshua to continue on doing what he was supposed to do. So this last point here, I make know God's standard, meditate on it, and teach constantly. Joshua had the responsibility to be teaching the people. He was the leader. It's just like us fathers and us husbands. We're supposed to be teaching our families. And notice after the six years, he divides up the people. He sends them on their way. And, and Joshua's an interesting book. It's, it's an easy read. You should go read it. There's, there's, and I, there's more problems in there. Not necessarily Joshua. I just, I just pointed out one where the mistake was made. But Joshua comes back, and that's so we want to leave on a very positive note here. Joshua, twenty-third chapter. He's now at the end of his life. He's sitting here, and in, in Joshua, twenty-third chapter, you just need to read the whole thing. He goes back through here, and I don't have time to share everything, but he goes back through and he shows them that you are a people of purpose. And in verse 8, but you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Verse 11, so take diligent heed to yourself and love the Lord. Verse 14, and, and, and I'm leaving out the negative passages. I'm telling you the positive passage. If you read in between there, he's saying if you intermarry and you do stuff with these Canaanites, God's going to destroy you. Now, we're going to read about that whenever we go see Solomon. We're going to read about that whenever we go see the northern kingdom. We're going to read about that time and time again. We're going to read about it in Judges. Samson. We're going to read about Delilah. Verse 14, Now behold, today I am going the way of the earth, and you know in your, all your hearts and in your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All has been have all have been fulfilled for you, and not one of them has failed. I have to always read that passage whenever I study Joshua, because that's the passage that tells us God fulfilled His promise in Joshua's day. Now I'm taking a little side note here, but I always like to take this side note whenever I'm studying Joshua. People today believe God didn't fulfill His promise. To the Israelites, whenever they conquered the land of Canaan, it just said it did. The implication to that is we're trying to prop up a country over there called Israel today because we believe, and I say we Americans, you can't read this passage, we believe God didn't fulfill his promise to the Israelites. We just read that. So that's, that's for free, that's just, just a bigger picture there, something to study. The last thing that just the quote, we have songs, we sing about it. <clears throat> but in Joshua 24 chapter, he is, he is leading the people down a, a logical conversation 
Are you going to serve the Lord? And he, he, and he gets to this passage here in verse 15. And it, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they all agreed, we're going to serve the Lord and not the gods. The nice thing you read about in the last few verses of this chapter is that they served God as long as the generation that made this commitment, the elders, were still alive. So this gets into Joshua's success. Notice he's trying to build the next... He, he's at the end of his life. He's sitting here and he's trying to get the next generation to commit to the Lord. Now unfortunately that next generation didn't follow his example and make the next generation commit. But as far as Joshua, you can tell he meditated and he worked on the standards of God and he was teaching them constantly. Are we teaching them constantly? Are we taking time to, to have that conversation? So how is Joshua successful? He didn't dwell on the past. You hear me say that? Tear the rearview mirror off. Just drive forward. I mean, that's a pretty good illustration. He didn't look in the past. Understand your role and go. Whenever you know what your role is, go. We all have different roles. First Corinthians tells us we all have different roles. There are different parts of the body, but we're one body. Everybody in this congregation has got a different role. We don't. We overlap, but we all have different roles. Joshua understood it. Move with boldness and with historical purpose. We as Christians. We have a purpose in life. And that purpose began 35, it actually began many it, at creation. It began at creation. God, in John 1, tells us he had a purpose for us. Be like Joshua, move with purpose. Be part of the solution. Understand and implement God's plan. Keep the values, and God will take care of us. We got to have that faith. Now we read this morning in Paul about Paul. It didn't say it was going to be easy. It didn't say that we're not going to have some stripes. It didn't say we're not going to be stoned. But it says we're going to be successful. Know God's standards. Work on them every day. Teach constantly, and make sure the next generation. That's Joshua's success story. So he picks up the mantle from Moses, who had led the people for 40 years, and he takes them into battle knowing that God was with them. Are we going into battle every day knowing that God's with us? Do we have that faith? I wish I could stand, I could preach it to you guys. Do I think I have it every day? I don't think I do. That's the faith we got to build. That's why we come together and encourage one another. Because God is with us. And we can make a difference. 
no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're doing, God can make a difference. God's going to forgive us just like he forgave Joshua. Joshua messed up. But notice all the positive stories. But notice they still, God, the Holy Spirit still put the negative ones in there. And I think he did that on purpose. I think he did that so we could see God's love throughout time. We don't understand God. I can't understand God. But I know he's a forgiving and loving God if I'm willing to submit. And that should make us the happiest people on earth. Because at the end of the day, it's not about here today. It's not about all the worries we got. It's about us trying to get to heaven. And that we're going to be successful if we put our cares on the Lord. And we let Him drive our direction. So if there's anyone here that needs to come forward, we always use this time at the end of services for an encouragement. So, Michael.